My name is Justin Gage, and you're tuned in to the Aquarium Drunkard Transmissions Podcast with your host, Jason Woodbury. Jason P. Woodbury, and this is Aquarium Drunkard Transmissions, back with you once again. This week on the show, I am joined by Chicago rock trio Horse Girl. That's Penelope Lowenstein, Nora Chang, and Gigi Reese. Their new album is called Versions of Modern Performance, and it's out now on Matador Records. And while it echoes uh, classic indie rock from the late 80s and 90s, groups like Sonic Youth, Dinosaur Jr., The Clean Breeders... What really makes it such a compelling listen is the interplay between these three and hearing the way they synthesize these sort of uh, classic indie indie tunes and indie ideas into a whole new project. They join me to discuss high school. Uh, uh, they're just uh, they're all just freshly out of it or just about to be. Uh, how the pandemic solidified their band and what it was like working at Electrical Audio with producer John Agnello. We also talk a lot about how, instead of using a standard four-string bass, Nora and Penelope trade off on a bass six, which is an awesome six-string bass. I just got one myself, and I'm absolutely obsessed with the sounds it makes. As soon as I finish recording this introduction, I am definitely going to play it. These three were so much fun to hang out with, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. So let's head into it. Here is Horse Girl. You're listening to Aquarium Drunkard Transmissions. Thanks, as always, for being here. Putting your music up online is not always the easiest thing in the world to figure out, but DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and, as an artist, you keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music into Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, all the major streaming services. You can use it to edit your lyrics and your song credits. So important in the internet age to let people know the kind of people you're collaborating with. And uh, DistroKid makes that easy. You can also see all your stats from the streamers and, of course, add a credit card to purchase album extras. The DistroKid app is available now on iOS and Android. Go to the app or Play Store to download it. Cool. Thanks so much for hanging out here on the Aquarium Drunkard Transmissions podcast. It's really a pleasure to have you all. Thank you yeah, so thank much. You. We're excited to be here. Um, so I, I wanted to start off by asking about one of my favorite moments on the record, which it is in anti-glory, the, the dance part, which is such a cool part, right? Because it feels like it comes out of I don't want to say it comes out of nowhere, but in a weird way, it does. It's such a cool, exhilarating moment. And I wondered if, to start things off, we could talk about that, um, how that part came together. Was that a, was that an impract? Were you just, were you playing? Were you jamming? Did you, did somebody write it in advance? How did that happen? Well, it's actually, it's, it's interesting how it happened. Um, 
that song we had we'd written some iteration of it in like i don't know many many months prior to that but it was very much so uh it was a lot more dreamy and kind of typical like it would fall into the shoelace category i guess you could say Mm -hmm. and then yeah when we were um writing we got a clear vision of what we wanted for this record so we decided to revisit some old stuff that we still thought was was good and then uh it kind of took on its its own form and we were listening to no we were working on a gang of four cover at that time (laughs) sure sure Um, and so immediately after we had finished like kind of goofing around with this gang of four cover we like picked up the shoegaze song and started (laughs) jamming on it and then out of nowhere i feel like it was probably a gg invention (laughs) to like just come up with that drum situation and nora and i started yelling and it was a completely improvised moment Mm -hmm. and as soon as it happened we like stopped playing and looked at each other and realized that we like needed to capture it immediately because we felt like we had come across something really cool kind yeah. of just by accident um, and, and through improvisation. That's <laughs> awesome. Is the, I mean, are you by and large, are you a very improvisatory band uh, or are the things, t- do they tend to be a little bit more written? Um, they, they end up written, but like the, the way that we write is like, we yeah. kind of are all together in a room and just, try things there's like no theory or anything it's just it is basically improvisation yeah yeah that's awesome well and so depending on what version you get of versions of modern performance the physical version or if you listen to the digital version anti-glory is the the opening song on the digital version right yeah but then the physical version if i understand right it's uh what is it electro location uh two i think if i if i have it right so I, I'm very curious. I don't know how often. I mean, I guess maybe I've I, when I when I think about it, maybe there's a few examples. But a thing where the where the physical version and the digital version don't necessarily line up. You know, I wonder what kind of conversations led to the decision to open. You know, the the one version with the with the rock song, and then the other version with the more uh, long form in, instrumental jam. Because that sort of shows off that 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 improvisatory side. I feel like the the uh, electrolocation. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, all good. Um, that song was like it kind of took form as its whole thing, like in the studio, where it was like Nora was just like doing this weird thing with her guitar and it, like made this crazy noise, and we we wanted it to be like some type of interlude on the record, but we didn't really know like quite where. Um, but then we were just like messing around with it, mostly from not being our words. It's obviously a very guitar heavy song, but like they were yeah. just around with it in the studio. And as soon as we like heard it all come together and like heard how like loud and like insane it was, we were just like sitting, us three on this like control room couch listening, and like, this has to be the opening track. Like this is the best thing we've ever done. Like <laughs> our debut record, we're gonna open it with this like four minute instrumental track and then like um like everybody else besides us was like huh that is an interesting idea it, it was like we we came to everyone who you know helping us with the record and we're like this is it the record is you know electrolocation like this is our moment and everyone was like um you know and and they've they've put out you know 
some of our favorite records and know how to do this much better than us. And so we were kind of like, okay, if, we, if maybe if opening with the four minute instrumental track isn't the strongest strategic move for your first record ever, um, you know, we as also as people who buy physical records, we love when there are sort of personal touches that, that make stuff like that feel special. And so I do think that an alternate track order is the kind of thing that, that makes owning a physical copy feel yeah i think so and i think that we're at a point right like in the way that people listen to music where i don't know about you all but for me a lot of times like the way i interact with something i'm streaming and the way i interact with something i'm listening to physically is very very different right so it's like to reward the more maybe uh invested listen that somebody with a physical copy might be doing you know with like a what is, what what is it a very adventurous choice to open with that that track you know so i think that's a really cool thing i mean you normally you hear people say like oh yeah the you know the the vinyl is pink or something but then you're like yeah there's a whole different sort of presentation of the record that's really cool and it's also funny to have that conversation with your label i'm sure because like <laughs> like I love I love I mean I love it you know but that, that's yeah, really cool and, and it was never a dynamic of feeling pressured it was more just we we appreciate their advice because we've never put out an, an, a full-length album before so yeah yeah well so what was uh what was was being in the studio like with John Agnello I mean he's he's done such some of my favorite records he's done so many great records um but I imagine that being at Electrical Audio for you know, people who grew up in Chicago, I'm sure it's got like a mythic lore to it. Or does it? I don't know. It, it definitely does. I mean, <laughs> you walk, there's like just a bunch of posters around that are crazy. Like the, I don't know, shellac posters and stuff. They're like guitar cases that say shellac. Yeah, you yeah. walk around, there's a binder. It's like shellac. Yeah. Just, oh, it's like in every corner, it seems like there's some historical... Yeah, shellac history. And shellac history. shellac. Um, <laughs> no, and then I mean, this there's like a lounge area that has just a bunch of like old DVDs and VHSs and like all these old I don't know music books of some sort. And then like there's a kitchen area with the fridge, and the fridge is just covered in notes from like a bunch of different people. Fugazi. There. Yeah, we love to talk about the Fugazi one that just says "Thank you kindly." <laughs> from wow. And it's like just crazy to it it's like yeah. a very legendary place and like being there felt very special to us because we had sort of we had dreamt of this record before we ever thought that we would be able to record it in a real studio we had written it kind of with the thought of doing it in my basement um and so being able to be in sort of this like chicago kind of punk rock institution with you know the producer who's made some of some of the music that like made us start a band, it, it was something that was completely crazy for us. And, and John was such a dream to work with, I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, oh, um, he, uh, he was like such a comforting presence in the studio and it was like our first studio experience. And he kind of just like did everything he could to just make it so that we were focused on playing rather than like, anything on the technical side or like worrying about literally like if it was too cold in the studio like that was just like <laughs> he was like so kind to us yeah about and it was it was a really perfect aesthetic fit and and also just personality wise he's so crazy he i mean i've said this before but 
he texted us on New Year's, like when it turned midnight, like a photo of him and saying happy New Year's. And it's like, why is John texting us? He has like a whole family. And yeah. he's thinking of Horse Girl as it strikes <laughs> midnight on New Year's. Like he was just like such a sweetheart. And like, we definitely connected with him. And like, I think that the New Year's text speaks volumes to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, we made a new friend. <laughs> Which is so cool because I have to imagine you know, I listened to the the older singles too, which I assume were you know self recorded. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, and they they do sound great. So there's a part of me that's curious, like what would this record be like had you recorded it in your basement? But obviously, it turned out pretty good doing it at Electrical Audio. So I mean, you know, no no complaints there. But um, but but you know, what is it? I mean. When you're going into a studio for the first time, I mean, I, I imagine that there's probably it's easy to get maybe anxious about that sort of thing. But you didn't feel once you got there, you felt like that was really addressed and taken taken care of there. I mean, I think it it was an emotional process in a way. Um, it was like just a, something we had dreamt about for so long um, yeah. that being there was it was a big deal for us. Um and so I, you know, and it was also two weeks of just like kind of this intense experience that we had never had before. Um, and yeah. like our first professional relationship in that sense with another adult and a creative collaborator. And ultimately it, it was such a positive experience for us. Um, and something that like, I think we just feel so glad to have, to have been able to do. But I mean, I feel like we definitely had moments of like there was a moment where we were trying to workshop a song in the studio and John ended up sending us back to my basement because he was like, you guys need to just like do this in Penelope's basement. There's the, you can't write in the studio. You need to be in your element. And we came back the next day with the song completely finished. And it, and I think we learned things about ourselves in the process um, about how we work in a, in a recording environment. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. Cause yeah, cause there are there are things that you go to the studio to do, and then there are things that you need to do, you know, in a more internal band thing. That's something that I think is really cool about the record. I don't know. Uh, is 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 most of the bass on the album a bass six the the six string bass or is all of it all of it that's i i am obsessed with that instrument despite not owning one myself um there's this guitar shop here in town that i went to one day with an intention to buy one that i had seen there uh you know for like three months and debated with myself and i went in and it was sold so i haven't got one but I'm obsessed with the way they they sound, and I wondered if if you could tell me because you both play, you both trade off, right? Yeah. I wonder if you could tell me what it is that you prefer about that sound, or why you're drawn to that versus, say, a normal four string bass. I mean, I think part of it was that, I mean, Penelope and I are guitarists, and that's just what we've you know grown to love, grown to be used to. And when we were trying to figure out, you know, how are we going to you know, make this live set sound full and like, not like it's missing something. And um, you knew somebody with a bass six. Mm -hmm. So for a while we were like, okay, let's try to see how this works <laughs> in this, this trio setup. And there's a lot of nice things about it. I mean, personally, neither of us, or neither of us wanted to like give up guitar. That was where it came from. Yeah. It was sure. just being like, we're both guitarists and Honestly, neither of us have bass training, and it's yeah. it's a lot easier to play bass six, and so that's how it began. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, 
but then it also comes with its other added benefits of like it does have a lot of higher swings you can like kind of like penelope solos on the bass sing <laughs> like at a point and then earlier in the song like is playing low notes that yeah. just sound like a normal bass as a trio it gives us so much flexibility to do whatever we want and and uh, i think nora and i have talked about this but like if one of us writes a guitar part, the other is sort of able to look at sort of like the palette that we have of, of a drummer, a guitarist, and like what needs to be added. And is it a sort of higher arrangement? Is it some low parts? Is it a mix of both? And I think having a weird instrument like that kind of has, has allowed us to, to step back and just sort of look at the songs in terms of yeah. like what's missing um, since we're such a minimal live setup and also recorded. Yeah, setup. like neither of us think like bassists. We kind of just have this instrument that hits these lower registers and we just <laughs> play guitar we just experiment with it and see you know what sounds good kind yeah. of like we would with a guitar it's just low yeah exactly and it sounds cool it sounds so cool there are so many moments on the record where it sounds just like it sounds so sick i mean and then it gives a it gives the record a thickness that is really interesting right but not a not necessary it's weird because the album feels very full but it doesn't necessarily feel you know, dense. I don't yeah. know if that makes, you know, sense, but I mean that in a compliment. Like it doesn't, it, it feels like there's still space, which is really cool. And that's something that I think gets easily crowded out when you're, especially when you're playing with distortion, because the album is very distorted, yeah. but it really feels like there's space on it too. And that starkness of your live presentation, I feel like that comes through really well, <laughs> which is a testament, I guess, to probably everything from the way the three of you play together to the studio to everything else. It was super thoughtful. Like space is kind of the number one consideration with us in our songwriting. And I feel like that's a huge part of Gigi's drumming. I don't know if you want to talk about that, but I feel like when you're, when we're talking about your drum parts and you're arranging stuff, it's like, yeah, it's like, I definitely, I think that we all <clears throat> fear the music that is too dense. And I think like, particularly we like in a trio arrangement, we all have to be like super aware of each other and like what we're doing. And I think that like space is like the space that we have kind of, is like its own part of all of it. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if we're all three doing like cool parts, but they all don't align in this way, that like leaves some room to breathe, I think like it won't be good. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fascinating thing to, you know, and one of the things that I, obviously um, there, you know, you can hear on the album certain, um, you can hear certain reference points, you know, to like indie rock of the past, you know, every all sorts of stuff. You know, Sonic Youth is is clearly, you know, in the mix, and 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 other bands. You know, I I hear various various sort of sounds, but that's cool. But what makes the record really cool is that it doesn't sound like any other three people playing. I think that's an important thing that when I was listening to the record, like I was like, that that's what that's what separates it honestly from a lot of indie rock records that I hear is that there's a peculiar peculiarity to the way the three of you work together that is preserved. That, you know, in in the um I think in the in the bio, Jess uh they they referred to something something about how your friendship is so like you know like evident listening to the record and i think that jess is such a great writer so i have a lot of respect and i was like 
yeah, I don't know. Because I read it before I listened, you know what I mean? Because that just sounds like such a cool writer thing to say. But yeah. then I listened to it and I was like, no shit, it's absolutely right. Like, <laughs> the three... The three of you seem like you have a real unique, that thing you said about listening to each other is very evident. And I think that's a cool part of this record. You know, I, I wonder what cult of, how do you get that good at listening to each other? How do you, how do you, you know, I, I, where does that come from? Well, the truth is it's all facade and we're only good. <laughs> <laughs> you guys all, it's a, you hate each other. Right. Nobody I said we would be good bandmates. And then yeah. we, we met and wrote the album. Yeah. <laughs> On the X Factor, really. <laughs> um, but honestly, I think that like we were all trained in environments where it was like playing with a lot of different musicians, like all the time. We just like cycle through like playing covers of songs with different people. And um, I think that like just forming as a band, we were all so like like we understood how to play music with other people. And then the fact that like us three kind of formed this like mutual understanding of like what we're going for and what is like cool to us it kind of just became like so easy to communicate with each other and mm -hmm. like just completely like kind of yeah. feel fully comfortable around each other and I think that is kind of what yeah. yeah I feel like the key is it's like we really began as as three friends who just sort of fell in love with music as we were coming of age in a in a really fun city to love music um, and I think we began writing together and it was, it was just a very natural process of this is fun for us. And, and also we were just, you know, feeling so enamored with indie rock and, and diving into all of that, that I, I think it just, it just very, it came very naturally that we just made music that we wanted to listen to. Um, and we weren't trying to make this like nostalgia act or anything. Mm -hmm. We were just trying to make music that we wanted to go to a youth show in Chicago and see kids playing guitar music because we had found it very powerful to listen to bands that were older, but we wanted to kind of have a newer version of it. And so I do appreciate hearing you say that, that it feels like something beyond just recreating, you know, a Sonic Youth record, or, and which, I mean, I could only hope to, to create a Sonic Youth record. But, yeah, you can, you can, no, we can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> You can do far worse than recreate a Sonic Youth record, but no, absolutely. I, I do I, I, I do think that your personalities and that your unique, you know, arrangement is is evident. And that's such a cool that's such a cool thing. I was curious though, I mean, uh, if I read if I understand right, like um who wait, who met in School of Rock? How did that ha who who was that? That was all three of us. All three of you met there? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I met it was like I had met Penelope and then I had met Gigi, but then the, the first time that all three of us had hung out was at it was some weird warehouse show. Yeah. That, okay. Um, like, sorry, our our friendship like didn't form really through School of Rock. It yeah. was More so like, like we Nora just knew both of us through that, but then we like didn't ever really hang out. Like we didn't hang out there at the beginning. We mostly just like became show going buddies, and like so like those were our most like. Yeah, quality moments spent together. That program was very helpful, though, in like teaching us how to play with other. People. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like even if it wasn't exactly the types of music that had fully inspired us to, you know, make music, it like it did teach us how to play with other people, how to run a rehearsal. Yeah, totally. yeah. And I think it's like it set the foundation, but I think that at a point it was like we realized like writing music 
play adjust each other was important. And we needed to discover our own voice. You totally. Know? Yeah. yeah, of course. I it is very interesting though that that that's a cool thing to think about that kind of like training in a certain way because it's it's it can be very helpful i mean it seems like uh you mentioned you know how to run a rehearsal i mean what 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 is a what's the vibe like at a horse girl rehearsal (laughs) i think like i think what we do most that i think a lot of other bands might not do because we did it like in front of our like manager once and he was like okay guys you have to chill because like (laughs) what we do is like we'll play our whole set just like front to back and time it. And then like, once we're done, we go through like song by song notes, like very <laughs> intensely. And then we'll like go back and play those songs. And we'll like, on our first, I think we do it a little bit less now, but on our first tour, it would be like every single show we played, we'd sit in the van ride back to the hotel and be like, man, like we were shaky on this one part of this song. And the next yeah. song was like chill. Yeah. Do, like every part in our like, our manager literally called it like an autopsy of our of our. <laughs> yeah, and they thought that might not be the most helpful way to continue. Yeah. You might, yeah, sure. And I and I think a rehearsal where you're where you're practicing for for performance looks very different than a rehearsal where you're writing. Totally. Yeah. Um, a a writing kind of dynamic is way looser. Those are the kind of times where it's like, it's summer break and we just like are super antsy to be playing and, and we're giggling and we're giggling <laughs> and they come over and we get lunch and then we. We start playing and we goof yeah. around. We like start playing Proud Mary, Proud Mary for an hour, <laughs> and then yeah. we stop. Like it's that is like a way slower pace, and yeah. it just kind of happens. Then out of nowhere, we're like, "Oops, we how did we end up writing Anti Glory?" Like I, yeah, we're messing around. And I mean, I do think that the the kind of fun part of, of our writing dynamic is is part of you know why the songs are the way that they are. Yeah. But when we're practicing for a performance, it's a little more cutthroat. Totally. Sure. <laughs> uh, do you have any tapes of the CCR cover? I need to hear the hour long. That sounds... <laughs> I'm sure we do. It's no, like you, me and Nora soloing know. at the same we, time. We could totally recreate it for you as well. Uh, there, was, uh, there was a point recently where like they were like, oh, we're going to do a vocal grab. Sit. We have a little pillow called the idiot pad. So like, <laughs> where, where Gigi sits. Yeah, where I sit when they do a vocal run. <laughs> sent me to the idiot pad and we're like running our songs and then just started singing Proud Mary for so long. <laughs> yeah, it was like a really long time. It was like so long. And like they kept looking at me and being like, sorry, Gigi, we'll like get back to business. And then they did not. We, we kept being like, Gigi, we promise we'll yeah. finish this. We're almost done with the set. And then we'd look at each other and be like, roll it. Yeah, and then we did like a harmony for the little so many times and recorded it and like, it was oh. really really fun i can, i was having fun on the idiot pad i can't wait to hear this this sounds like this is gonna this is this is gonna happen now uh, also, we don't know the words to the song but yeah who who cares if you know that riff i think that's all that matters um well i am curious you know you the three of you talked about how you were all sort of discovering indie rock at the same time. I wonder if you could tell me a little bit about what that looked like and what were the sort of records that you, the, the three of you first bonded over mm-hmm. or bands, you know, whatever. Adrian Nation was huge. Oh yeah. <laughs> and um, I can hear the heart beating of one. Mm-hmm. Like I always think of that one. It's like when we all kind of, I feel like that was like one of the first records you guys told me to listen to. And mm-hmm. I was like, this this, yeah. this is awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pavement was really big originally. Um, yeah. And I also think, I mean, I don't know 
I think we've kind of drifted away from the dreaminess of like ballroom dancing. But for Nora and I, when we first started playing together, I feel like My Bloody Valentine was really important yeah. for us to kind of come into our own as guitarists. Um, <clears throat> also just like kind of, I feel like realize noisiness is cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like My Bloody Valentine, and like Sonic Youth. Also and... like, I don't think this one's as explicit, but just, you know, the idea of like the raincoats being that they didn't really fully know how to play their instruments. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was yeah. just very like influential to us. I mean, we have like had lessons and stuff, but we don't know anything about theory. Or yeah, anything. I mean, again, if you come to a horse girl show, not horse girl show, horse girl rehearsal, it's like we you will never hear a chord name said once. It's all just <laughs> yeah. like by <laughs> ear, like this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so I think there was something empowering about hearing bands that are less technical, especially considering our shreddy, uh, Proud Mary roots, you know. <laughs> we needed to kind of discover the Stereolab one chord drone. drone. There's um, nothing There's nothing cooler than that in, in, in so many ways, you know what I mean? Like, I think Lou Reed once said something like, you know, two, two chords is okay, but like... That was Oh, hang on a second. You quoted yeah. that in your yearbook? Yeah, it's it's a one chord. One chord is good. Two chords is pushing it. Three chords, and you're into jazz. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. So wait. So who is just about to graduate from high school? Do I have? That's you. Yes, Congra- I graduate um, the day of our record release show, <laughs> which is two days after the album comes out. So I'm actually I'm missing the ceremony, which is actually I'm a little bit disappointing, rock. but it is totally punk rock. It is extremely punk rock to play your album release show the day you graduate high school um, and miss the uh, the ceremony. But regardless, congratulations. That's so cool. I, I'm curious what it's like to be, a, um, you know, something that's very interesting about Horse Girl is that your signing to this legendary indie label happened during, uh, you know, the weirdest time in history that we've lived through or whatever. Um, what was it like, you know, dealing with the pandemic, both as young people, but also, you know, artists and, and what was it, how did, how did that happen really (laughs) that, that they got interested and not just them, like a lot of labels, right? Other labels were also interested. I mean, I think it's I I think it's sort of an old school story, which is really lovely because before the pandemic, we really had only had experience playing DIY youth run shows in Chicago mm-hmm. um, and only obviously basement recordings um, had, had been made. And we recorded ballroom dancing with some friends of ours and we emailed it to the Chicago Tribune, like completely pie in the sky. Um, and they wanted to write a, a profile on us. The journalist, Britt Julius, like completely was like the first person to ever care and wrote this profile that like just skyrocketed more than we would have ever. Like, I, I don't even know if that's like how normal that is, but it just like out of nowhere, like overnight, suddenly it was sent around like crazy. Um, and so we started having to like check our email and like we had no idea how any stuff whatsoever like what a manager is what a record label does and so we started recording demos in my basement and it was insane because it was over virtual school so basically school is fake and all of us went to different high schools but because of covid 
we were like only seeing each other and basically instead like we were doing fake school and we'd just record demos all day mm -hmm. day and night in my basement and over two weeks kind of demoed the whole record right like a, maybe it was, it was like a few more weeks yeah demoed the record and sent it to sort of like the, the people the contacts that we had gotten off of this record and then we're like meeting with labels virtually and the whole thing was crazy because there was never any physical proof that yeah. this was happening to us <laughs> like wake up open the computer do virtual school record demos open the computer talk to matador and then be like are they real like our i think our parents thought it was a scam no definitely and like at first it was kind of like we had no idea about anything manager related and then we like then like our current manager like reached out to us and started to explain to us how this goes and like we were on label calls like literally alone being yeah. like hey like so what does a label do for us yeah yeah i mean it was like totally overstimulating and also just in the sense that i think we just had no context for anything that was yeah. going on and i think when things are in person it's like the label would come see us live or you know and it, and it would have felt like our day-to-day -day was changing but instead it was it was like totally bizarre and obviously it was super exciting for us mm -hmm. but i mean people were talking about like when when these things happen, like you go on tour, and we hadn't seen a band in months, and it, yeah. and it seemed impossible to even kind of dream of. So it's just crazy that like, you know, in, in a few weeks we're leaving for our first tour, and it feels like just now we're starting to see like, oh, this is a real thing that did happen to us. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's been something so strange about the last couple years, just in terms of the weird stretchiness of time and how it's just, it's obviously completely weird and strange, but that's so, that's so exciting. Um, I'm, I'm torn. What I want to, I think what I want to ask is, you mentioned the remote aspect and I wonder for, you know, do, do the three of you trade a lot of, do, do you record remotely as well or is Horse Girl more uh, uh, everybody in the same room kind of situation? We like all have to be together to like, kind of do <laughs> And like, yeah. like that is how we write and like when we recorded the album, we're all sitting in the same room. Like even when we were doing online school and like, like my mom, like the office she works at was just like empty, so she just let us go there and do school. So like we were sitting in the same room all day. If we weren't at Penelope's house, we were at my mom's office and doing school, and then we'd like go on these label calls at night. Wow. Even to answer one email, we all have to be in the room together. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> like, yeah, that's a, that's a real band. That's a real band situation. You guys, oh, yeah. that yeah, that's cool. Well, no ghost writer here. <laughs> no ghost writer, yeah. You don't let the manager answer some of the emails now? Oh, no. It's all PNG, which I'm oh, sure they're like, that's so stupid. But <laughs> yeah, PNG too. Thanks, PNG. Yeah. Well, that's 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 rad. That's rad. So so as far as the album, um, you, you you recorded it. Was it, did you did you go to the studio in, in 2021, the summer of 2021? Is that right? So the so the songs had all been were all written, you know. You know, uh, do you think that that the the time you had because of the pandemic really allowed you to to drill and dig into these songs that maybe yeah. it would have been harder, you know, with n normal life happening at the same time. 
It, it honestly did. I mean, before the pandemic, we really only saw each other on weekends. Every week was kind of just like, can't wait for the weekend. And every weekend used to end like Sunday night, us lying on the floor of Penelope's basement oh, where we were. That's so teenager. I like honestly <laughs> forgot that we used to do Me this too. until just now. Um, we would kind of just sulk on the floor of Penelope's basement, like thinking about how we had to go to school tomorrow. And we would listen to like the sounds of the sounds of science. Yeah, by we would Latino. put on this one like paper lamp in the middle of the room <laughs> and just be like, yeah, guess I'll see you on Friday. Yeah. Wow. But I do think a part of me, you know, since the pandemic ended, there's been a, a very real excitement about young bands in Chicago and with shows resuming. There's like there's just been a very kind of real feeling of, of excitement here. And a lot of really mm -hmm. cool music was made by our friends sort of during the pandemic period. And I and I do wonder if we sort of missed out on a, a special year of shows that would have been happening with us with us all in town. Yeah. And so I think it's like it's two sided that I feel like, you know, it's it's sad to feel like we kind of are catching the end of something very exciting in Chicago that yeah. like could have just been prolonged, but at the same time it, we did have a lot of time to, to kind of explore ourselves. And also, it's like it like we had so much time together that we realized that Portugal was kind of something we wanted to start taking more seriously. Yeah. Like, like, before it was really just like oh we'll play like our friend's basement on a Saturday night, and then <laughs> then it turned into like we had this like one long conversation with my mom's office to like punk rock is yeah <laughs> we recorded it i have it on my phone yeah it was like we we were not gonna let ourselves not stick to our friends like i, I don't know we were just yeah established yeah yeah so what wait so what does the future look like uh some of you are going some of you are in college right in new york am i yes are the yeah <laughs> so so what i mean is it going to be a situation where you just tour as much as possible whenever you're not in school yes that's what the summer is <laughs> that's and, a, and come back here as much as possible yeah it's sort yeah. of heartbreaking to be leaving chicago right now we feel like more connected to this this place and our friends and our, our friends bands as like and more than ever right now yeah. so yeah and like but we, us three, are like gonna be in New York for a second while we seek education. Then, cool. But it's like, and then come right back, come right back, and like write music and record album, and tour when we're not doing all that. Yeah, <laughs> we're figuring it out. <laughs> I mean, you have you have time, and you've already done uh, a pretty you know bang up job being a band so far. So it seems like. Seems like your instincts are on the right on the money. Who are before we wrap up? I'd love to hear about some of your favorite bands from Chicago. Who are people that you are into right now? Your friends or, or otherwise? Yes, I think it's. I think we all feel like our friends are the people that are making <laughs> Period. Yeah, yeah. Period. And um, I mean, we're playing a show next week. Um, the album release. Yeah, the album release show. Bands Post Office Winter, Lifeguard, and Frico. They're like, so awesome. Yeah. And we could add World Fruit to that if possible. Oh, yeah. We ran out of room. But those are those are some bands we're very excited about. There's also like, so many people for. Yeah. Uh, so you were able to pick, basically, you, you, got, you got to assemble the, the lineup for that, that show. 
And it's at is it is it Talia Hall, which I've never been to. What's what's that spot like? Pretty cool. Beautiful. It's where I saw Stereo Lab. Yeah. So I'm you know emotional about it. Saw Kim Gordon there. Kim Gordon. Oh, doing solo stuff or yeah. Body Head. Okay. Solo. Yeah. It's it's a very beautiful space. Yeah, it's quite big compared to what we <laughs> Massive. It might be the biggest stage you've ever played. I think it definitely is. Yeah. Like- well. I'm I, I'm I'm so excited for the three of you to to do that and to to have this record out in the world and I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me about it. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah thank course. you so much. We're very yeah. excited. Oh, excellent. Well, thank you so much. I'll let you all get back to your Friday night. Thanks again. I, I it was a lot of fun. Thank all you, right, so, thank much. you. so much. Have a lovely night. Great. You too. Take it easy. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Transmissions. You can find show notes and more at Aquarium Drunker. And you can support the podcast by checking out our Patreon page. AD is an independent situation, so your contribution means a lot to us. If you dig our program, and I hope you do, please consider leaving a five-star rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. I'm Jason P. Woodbury. I write, host, and produce Transmissions. Our audio is edited by Andrew Horton, and the show is executive produced by Aquarium Drunkard's founder, Justin Gage. Don't miss his Aquarium Drunkard show every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. PST on Sirius XMU. Transmissions is a part of the TalkHouse podcast network. You can find me at Jason P. Woodbury on social media, so please reach out. I love hearing from listeners, and I'd love to hear from you. Drop me a line. Let me know what you like about the show or what you'd like to hear more of. Next week on the program, we are joined by the fine folks behind Long Form Editions. So stay tuned for that one. This transmission is concluded.